2: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a pre-born baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn because we need to help these precious babies— Every day, preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at Hollywoodtakeover.com slash Ben. Hollywoodtakeover.com slash Ben. Well, we Americans are all busy
2: fighting each other. Our enemies abroad, you know, our actual enemies, are taking advantage of this, none more so than the nation that started all the chaos in the first place, China. But with the presidential election in full swing and all the fights we've got going on, is anybody going to be paying? Attention. We'll get into it. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. Welcome back to Verdict with Ted Cruz. I'm Michael Knowles. Senator, I feel like America has been very introspective over the past few months. We're all arguing over what statues to keep up and arguing over brands and how to take Aunt Jemima off of bottles. Meanwhile, we do have actual enemies out there enemies who are encroaching on our interests, who are trying to undermine our country. Is is anybody paying attention to that?
0: Look, it it is a dangerous world. And I got to tell you, the enemies of America are thrilled to see America ripping itself apart and America divided. And and they're using this opportunity front and center. Number one on that list is China. Um, You and I have talked about many times how I think China is the greatest geopolitical threat to the United States over the next century. And and, and China, where the coronavirus originated in Wuhan, China, uh, and and their deliberate cover-up and censorship allowed it to spread across the globe, allowed it to cost over a half million lives and trillions of dollars uh, in economic value. China is using this opportunity right now to expand its influence, expand its power, and while we're having rioting in our streets, China is very quietly but very deliberately crushing Hong Kong democracy beneath its jackboots, and, and, and it's really dangerous. Well, I, I want to get into some of these specific cases because I feel they're not being
2: covered at all. I want to know if there's anything we can do about it. You mentioned Hong Kong. You know, Hong Kong is technically an administrative region. So the idea being, there's one country but two systems. That since the British gave Hong Kong back to China, in my view, somewhat foolishly in 1997, then there were these pro democracy protests, and now while we're all distracted with the lockdowns yep. and the riots. China has basically
0: eliminated Hong Kong independence. So no, it, it, it has come in and just just it has decided that it wants to make Hong Kong essentially fully a part of China with no democracy, with no freedom of speech, with no individual liberty. And and that's directly contrary to the promise that the, the Chinese government made when when China when Hong Kong reverted to China from from British governance. And and under U.S. law, so I introduced legislation in the Senate that passed into law that mandated the State Department reassess whether China is complying with the commitments it made and whether China is protecting democracy and, and freedom in Hong Kong like it promised. And the State Department just recently completed that assessment and concluded, obviously hmm. correctly, that no, they're not. And that was even before the most recent and, and, and most egregious crackdown. And, and, and that that should lead to a fundamental shift. See, what China's trying to do is use Hong Kong as a way to get around U.S. sanctions, get around restrictions on trade with China, get around hmm. get around all the barriers that apply to China. Use Hong Kong as this, see, this is a free market oasis that we control brutally, and, and you don't get to have your cake and eat it too.
2: Because I have wondered this. I've wondered why China cares so much about poor little Hong Kong. They're aggressing now in the South China Sea. They're threatening the Philippines, Malaysia, Vietnam. They're, thre- they're flying, uh, flying over Taiwan, threatening Japan. And, and just most recently, they seem to have invaded part of India.
0: Well, you know, the interesting thing about totalitarian dictatorships. It is they are often much weaker than they seem, and 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 they're they're afraid of sunlight. Hmm. Sunlight is a really really powerful thing, and when it comes to China, they're terrified of sunlight. So so, uh, back in in October of last year, um, I I did a trip to Asia, and and I traveled to Pearl Harbor, and then Japan, and then Taiwan, and then India, and then Hong Kong, and it was. It was envisioned, really, as a, as a friends and allies tour. So these are all strong friends and allies of America. They all surround China, and the entire topic of the trip was how do we deal with Chinese aggression, Chinese military aggression, Chinese hostility, Chinese economic bullying, Chinese censorship, uh, Chinese theft of intellectual property. You know, when I met with the leadership of the Pacific Command at Pearl Harbor, they described how militarily. China has as a national strategy stealing our military technology, stealing our R&D, billions of dollars in yeah. leaps. And so they just steal from us and so they do it on the industrial side. And you know if you notice the countries I went to, like, like China was furious that I went to Taiwan. They don't like to acknowledge Taiwan exists. They insist, it's a fairly right. ridiculous thing they call the one China policy that, that most American administrations have gone along with that they just pretend Taiwan doesn't exist. So I actually went to Taiwan on Taiwan's National Day, which is where they celebrate their independence, which China pretends doesn't exist. And I was the first senator, I think in 34 years, to be in Taiwan on their National mm-hmm. Day. And I joined President Tsai in, in, like, in reviewing as a parade came by and celebrating Taiwan's independence. In Hong Kong, I met with the protesters. This was right after you had 2 million people in the streets of, of Hong Kong. And I met with the protesters. By the way, they're young student activists. Many of them are, are you know, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. Uh, a number of them have faced physical violence from, from the, the Chinese police state brutalizing them. And, and in the course of this trip, I, I, I did a Sunday show dressed in all black. Um, and and did a Sunday show li- from Hong Kong live in, in solidarity with the protesters because wow. the protesters would dress in all black, and all of that China is terrified. You've got 1.3 billion people in China that are being controlled by a communist dictatorship that abuses their rights that strips them of free speech, that strips them of religious liberty, that, that tortures and murders Chinese citizens. And the government is very scared the citizens will get a taste for freedom, that they'll see what happens in Hong Kong and goes, hey, can't mm. we have some of that freedom? That they'll see what happens in Taiwan. Taiwan is a, a wealthy, right. prosperous place. And, and the Chinese nationals go, well, how come we don't get some of that? And, and it is a sign of weakness on, on China's part. That they are so terrified of the sunlight, and I'll tell you who had this insight about a prior enemy, which is Ronald Reagan and the Soviet Union. Soviet Union in the '60s and '70s, hmm. Democrats in Washington, academics—they're like, "Oh, the Soviet Union's unstoppable. We can't keep up with it." Reagan understood the power of shining a light. That it. That That it. 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 When Reagan said. The Soviet Union is an evil empire. All of Washington was aghast. When when he said that Marxism, Leninism will end up on the ash heap of history, that leadership, that bully pulpit was powerful for undermining the Soviet regime. And and when he stood in front of the Brandenburg Gate and said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, those are the most important words any leader said in modern time. Well, I, I believe Hong Kong is the new Berlin. And and just as that terrified the Soviet leadership so too does the prospect of freedom Terrify the Chinese Communist government. So,
2: so you seem a, a little bit uh, sunnier on all of this than I do. I, I've been feeling kind of down about it because China, the, as you say, they steal our IP. They've kind of taken over the tech world now with TikTok. You've got all these twelve-year-olds who are compromising our national security with funny videos on their phones. Yeah. And you've got as we spoke about with Nigel Farage now
0: months ago. By the way, for 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 for, for TikTok, Michael, are you and I going to do some dance dance move and then <laughs> yeah. like switch places or something? I think well because senator you know I love national security
2: but I also want to get a lot of views with like a funny little dance so to me you know it's a tough debate but obviously we we've got to go for the views <laughs> uh, well, and and you know we, we spoke to uh, to Nigel Farage on this Huawei question they've installed yeah. a ton of 5G infrastructure telecoms infrastructure I, I I guess I you know I'm a little less optimistic it seems to me like China is really aggressing here do you think it's uh, it's actually coming
0: from a place of uh, maybe being a little bit of a paper tiger. So so listen, I'm actually very optimistic. Hmm. And, 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 and that's not to diminish the threat that China poses. I think China will pose a threat for a very long time. No. But the reason I'm optimistic is suddenly the world's noticed. Nine months ago, when I was on the Asia trip, people in Washington were dismissing. Why are you talking about the threat of China? What's the hmm. threat here? Oh, come on. Look, it was all about money. It was all about the Benjamins. They wanted to make big bucks in China and there's a big market there. And and this COVID crisis and China's responsibility and culpability for it, I think has really changed the way a lot of people perceive the threat of China. And and I think the most significant long-term policy consequence from this pandemic is, is gonna be a fundamental reassessment of the United States's relationship with China, so that's a good thing. Right. I think China's a threat, but I'm glad to see some people finally opening their eyes. Um, and, and it 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 is not dissimilar. I I I view it somewhat like uh like Churchill's efforts in the UK hmm. to point to the threats of Nazi Germany. Yeah, and and you know he 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 wrote. Wrote a book while England slept mm-hmm. and talked about how England allowed Nazi Germany to grow more and more and more dangerous. Now, JFK actually took that same title and 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 and, and adopted it. Yeah. But but that principle, I think China screwed up by being so ham-handed and deliberate in covering up a global pandemic. Yeah there was 10 years ago, even
2: five years ago, this kind of consensus among both parties that a rising China was good for everybody. Oh, how wonderful that they entered the World Trade Organization. Yep. How wonderful. that, And, and I think in the, certainly in the last few months, we've realized there are some seriously negative consequences to a rising China. So, so you're right. So It is undeniable. People are waking up to that. That is a very good thing. I, I want to get to one mailbag question, Senator, because- while people may not want to watch videos of us dancing on TikTok, they can find you on a new social media platform, which is uh, coming up in the wake of, of Twitter becoming so aggressively uh, censoring of conservative
0: content. You have joined Parlor. So I have joined Parler. Parlor is a new social media app. It's, it's, it's very similar to Twitter. But what's interesting is that Parler is explicitly designed to allow free speech. I actually had a conversation with their CEO before I joined them mm. and, and, and talked to him about what his vision for the company was. And, and, and he said, look, we don't want to have political censorship. We, 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 we want people to be able to speak freely and engage in debate and disagree. And I, and I think that's fantastic. And so I, I joined Parler. Uh, and, and actually, I, I put out a video explaining why that it was for free speech that, that big tech and Twitter and Google and YouTube and Facebook have been so shameless in censoring views they disagree with that I was opening a Parler account. I put out a video and I put it out on Twitter, which which I have to admit was perhaps mildly <laughs> putting a thumb in their eye. Yeah. Um, but but the video on Twitter announcing that I was opening an account on Parler has gotten, I think to date, 1.1 million views. So, so it's kind of interesting that that on the Twitter platform, people are saying, hey, we want to be somewhere where there, there's free speech.
2: Yeah, that is. And, and I hope that more people join. I was speaking to my friend, Dan Bongino, who I know is an investor in Parler. And he told, told me there are a lot of people moving over there right now. I think when Twitter censored the president of the United States, that was a bridge too far for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, but I, I hope that People continue to do that as an alternative. I also hope that we continue to use the legal means available to us to stop the abuses at big tech. Uh, speaking of legal questions, I, I want yes. to I want to get to a question that actually harkens back to another episode we've done. Actually, I guess a few episodes we've done. You've been pretty tough on Chief Justice John Roberts, and this question from Michael uh, wants to know if this has uh, any personal aspect to it because. You and John Roberts—it's not like you've—you've you've just know each other professionally. You've known each other for a very long time.
0: Yeah, no, I, I know John Roberts very well. He is—he is a personal friend. I've known him twenty-five years. Uh, we both clerked for the same justice. We both clerked for Chief Justice William Rehnquist. He he clerked about fifteen years before I did, mm. and uh, actually, I when I was clerking for Chief Justice Rehnquist, I remember my co-clerks and I we asked uh, the chief. We said who's the best Supreme Court advocate practicing? And, and Rehnquist chuckled and he said, you know, I think I could probably get a majority of my colleagues to say John Roberts is the best Supreme Court advocate alive. Hmm. And, and I got to say, I've seen him argue a number of cases. I agree with that assessment. He is a spectacularly talented Supreme Court advocate. And, and he's someone who, who, when I was a young lawyer, John befriended me. Um, during Bush versus Gore. So I had been on the George W. Bush campaign down in Austin, and I'd been doing policy there. But, but I was part of, of, of the team, the legal team in Bush versus Gore in the 2000 recount. And, and I called a number of the lawyers and asked them to join us. I called John Roberts. I, I called huh. him in his office in DC and said, hey, he was practicing law. I said, can you come down and, and join us in Florida and be part of the team uh, in this case? He came down. Uh, he participated. It, it uh, it's why what he's doing right now is so heartbreaking. And I, mm. a couple of weeks ago, gave a speech on the Senate floor that was really critical of John Roberts because I think he he has been violating his oath. You know, at, at his confirmation hearing, he famously promised. He said judges should be umpires and call balls and strikes. Well, he hasn't been an umpire recently. He has grabbed a bat and jumped into the game and, and, and he keeps joining with the liberal justices in opinions. You know, if John Roberts weren't so smart, I'd actually might be more forgiving of it, but he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows that, 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 that he is violating his oath to the constitution. And it saddens me. It, it, it really saddens me. Um, it was a mistake for him to be appointed to the court. Uh, And I got to say, by the way, look, I mean, I before I was in the Senate, my career was as a Supreme Court advocate, right? Um, You can't be in the business of blasting Supreme Court justices if you ever hope to go back there. I, I I would say I have pretty firmly burned my bridges. <laughs>
2: yes, I think that's true. I, I very much, you know, I've, I've long hoped you remain in elected public life, but now I hope so really for your bank account too, because, uh, you know, I, I would imagine that it'll be a lot tougher after you've been so honest about really what's going on at the Supreme Court and not to flatter you too much. I don't want to do that, but it is it is refreshing to hear, uh, given the clubbiness of Washington, that uh, you haven't let that that personal friendship get in the way of actually defending the Constitution and saying what needs to be
0: said about what's going on at the Supreme Court. Well, it's it's sad and it, and it's frustrating, and uh, I'm tired of Republicans getting Supreme Court nominations wrong, and and I'm tired of justices. You know, justices in the court, they only grow one direction. They only grow to the left. And yeah, and the reason yeah. they do that is all the incentives are to grow to the left. Because when you vote with the liberals, you get praised. You get praised in the newspaper. You get praised in the law schools. You get praised in the D.C. cocktail party circuit. And 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 they used to call the Supreme Court reporter for the New York Times. Her name was Linda Greenhouse. And they used to call... Uh, call that the greenhouse effect, which <laughs> is Sandra Day O'Connor and Tony Kennedy would want to get praised by Linda Greenhouse. And so if they voted with the left, mm. they'd get praised. And, and I got to say, as I look at Supreme Court nominees, I want someone who doesn't give a damn yeah. if they're being criticized and beaten with sticks. The most important criterion is show me someone that stood for conservative principles and has paid the price. Show me someone who who hates DC cocktail parties, doesn't want to go to a party in Georgetown. Uh, it's the reason with President Trump for both of his vacancies, my number one choice that I urged him was Senator Mike Lee. Uh, because Mike Lee, I've seen firsthand, he's devoted his life to the Constitution. And if Mike Lee had been there, the chances that Mike Lee would have written the Bostock opinion that Neil Gorsuch wrote that rewrote our civil rights laws, the chances that Mike Lee would have written that are 0.00%. And I know that because he's not seeking the praise of the press or the academy. and, And we need to stop getting this wrong.
2: That's such a good point. I mean, that just that little bit of, of wanting to get the good New York Times article or wanting them to even not be too harsh on you, that is very, very corrosive. Not a lot yep. of people can stand up to it, and we need, we, we need more of them, and we need all the ones we can get. Uh, last question before we have to go. This is from Publius. I bet that's not his name at birth, but that's the name he's writing under. What are <laughs> the benefits
0: of a balanced budget. I'm pretty sure he's not the first to use that name.
2: That's right. I think I've I've heard this somewhere before. I'm not not sure where. I guess it ties in. I mentioned uh, bank accounts earlier. This is one that comes up a lot and you don't hear about it a lot these days. What are the benefits of a balanced budget amendment?
0: So great question. By the way, for folks who are listening, that little comment about Publius has been used before. So for Publius was the pen name under which the Federalist Papers were written. And, and, and so it, it was James Madison and Alexander Hamilton and John Jay. The three of them wrote them. They're basically newspaper editorials under the name Publius. And so that's a name that, that, that is fraught with, 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 with history and, and great moment. Uh, a balanced budget amendment would be enormously impactful. And, and, and it's something that I have advocated, fought for for eight years. You know, most of the states have a balanced budget amendment. I think it's something like 45 states have a balanced budget amendment. In Texas, we have to have a balanced budget. The Texas state legislature can't spend more than it has in revenue. It can't spend money it doesn't have. Um, In Washington, a balanced budget amendment, official Washington doesn't want that because because the government, the way politicians in Washington get reelected is spending money we don't have. And and the way, by the way, you get a trillion dollar appropriation bill in ordinary times, much less pandemic times. Let's just take ordinary times. A trillion dollar bill is very easy to get. You just pay for everything everyone wants. And you end up getting all the Democrats and half the Republicans. And and never mind that you're borrowing (laughs) the money from China and bankrupting our kids and grandkids. It's a great way for politicians to buy their reelection. It's, it's the reason I've fought hard for a balanced budget amendment. And I'll tell you something that is hand in hand with that is a term limits amendment. I'm the author mm. of the, the term limits constitutional amendment in the Senate. I would limit House members to three terms, senators to two terms. And, and the reason is it's much the same that Washington is a corrupt swamp and career politicians who want to spend their whole lives here, that's where they get the incentive to just spend and spend and spend and spend us into bankruptcy.
2: Yes. And you make this great point on borrowing from China, because when, when you don't have something like a balanced budget amendment, what happens? You got to borrow the money from somewhere. And ironically, we're borrowing the money from our chief geopolitical adversary. Kind of shows you how the domestic issues relate to the foreign threats and vice versa. Too many threats to count, Senator. But thank you. That that was a, uh, a clean trip through all of them and uh, clarifies things. Even even if it doesn't make us feel all that much better. <laughs> I guess, I guess that's, uh, the, that's the problem of political reality. Much more to get to. We'll have to wait until next time. Senator, thank you. I'm Michael Knowles. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz.
1: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Hollywood is under siege from an external force. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios don't miss the most important documentary about hollywood yet for a limited time watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash ben hollywoodtakeover.com slash ben when you have health insurance it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs that can be a lot of money So to save, visit healthlock.com today. That's healthlock.com today.